Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. This is the best trip ever. Uh, no, really, honestly, so cool to be able to come up here. I just heard that you guys are the Christmas tree capital of the world. Is that true? And Jimmy Stewart's from here? Super cool. My wife would be thrilled. Like, Jimmy Stewart's, like, I think her heart throb. Uh, so that's really cool. And if she's watching with us on Facebook Live right now, sweetheart, I love you too. Um, a really cool welcome, those of you who are joining us with, uh, on Facebook Live. Such an honor to be with you guys. So appreciate your pastor and his wife and you guys as a church. Um, these things don't happen by accident. Uh, what, what God is doing here, it doesn't happen by accident. You being here this evening, it doesn't happen by accident. It took a lot of work for you to get here in this moment. I don't just mean that you had to get home from work and get dressed and get out the door and get the kids out the door, meaning God has been working in your life to get you to this moment. God has been working in and through Summit Church to get the church to this moment. But there is a challenge. I think most of us, even though God has been at work in our lives, sometimes we're running away from the things God is doing. And so I'm just curious, what's got you running? I mean, I know most of y'all are strong and tough and you, you work hard and you're thinking to yourself, man, nothing's got me running, but what's got you on your heels? What's got you running away when you should be running toward? What's got you running scared when you should be running with faith? I know for me, there have been moments when I was running in the wrong direction. In fact, I'll just tell you a story. So um, a little while ago, I had the privilege of going to a conference in California, which sounds like a great burden to bear. Uh, And so I went out there and I love hiking. And so my whole goal, I really didn't even care about the conference. I just wanted to find a mountain and climb it. And so I had mapped it out. I had a plan. As soon as the plane landed, I was going to get my rental car, drive straight to the base of this mountain, take a tram up to 8,000 feet. And I did just that. Uh, I got off the plane, it was about one o'clock in the afternoon, got in the rental car, drove straight to the base of the mountain. This is, by the way, it was in February, which I just figured February in California is awesome. I mean, where else would I rather be? I got to the base of the mountain, took the tram up 8,000 feet, had no idea that it would be a foot of snow, on, I mean, a foot of snow at 8,000 feet. And within, within a very short distance of climbing, it went from one foot to knee deep. And uh, so I, I get up the mountain, and I start hiking, and it goes from knee deep to waist deep. And I have to, go, I have to ascend almost 3,000 feet. For, uh, to, so the summit was at 10,834 feet, in case you're counting. Uh, you, can, you can Google it right now. Uh, Mount San Jacinto in the San Bernardino mountain range uh, between Palm Springs and LA. And so I love this. This was genius. I did bring some gear with me. I'm not a complete idiot. Uh, well, that would be debatable. So I have my backpack. I've got my winter uh, my base layer with me. I got plenty of water, plenty of snacks. I figured worst case scenario, I'll bunker down and just eat my trail mix until I die. Um, and I'm, I'm going, I'm tromping up this mountain and there are no trails. You literally just like, there's the peak, just march there. And, and I did it. I was pretty proud of myself. I summited at sunset. Yeah. You can, I mean, you are, see, you know where the story's going, right? And so it was beautiful watching the sunset over LA and over this incredible mountain range was like, wow. And then like it hit me. Uh-oh, <laughs> I'm in a lot of trouble because this was like, it was six and a half, uh, like seven miles up, which means now I got seven miles back. And some of it was like straight, straight up the face of this mountain. And so I like kick into like hyper adrenaline mode of like, I've got to get down this mountain. And so literally like at certain points, like I, 
I had put on my base layer, so I had my tights on, and I just sat on my rear, put my backpack on, and I'm literally sliding down the face of this mountain, like catching myself every once in a while, kicking my heels into the ice layer so I would catch myself and not like die. And I got down the face of the mountain, and that was awesome. Five miles, made it back, five miles. And then I had no idea where I was. And that was good. I mean, it was good up to that point, but now it's two miles left and it's pitch black. And I have no idea where I am. And I, had, I did not bring a compass and my phone died. And, and so I had like no light and it was fortunate it was a full moon. And so I was trying to be all like survival man. Like I was getting down the ground, like I've got this, man. I'm gonna figure out the trail. And then I was like trying to like size up the stars. Like, okay, I'm gonna go here. Like this is gonna be perfect going that direction. And so I like, I'm following the stars. I thought this would be like a holy Jesus moment, nativity moment, follow the star. And, and like, I mean, I'm marching through the waist deep snow. I've already been doing this now for several hours. I'm totally exhausted. I ate my two uh, granola bars and my trail mix and I drank my Gatorade and my bottle of water. And I start, so I'm walking and I get to the edge. Like I walked out where like Palm Springs should be out there. And I walk out to the edge of this mountain and I look out and there is nothing. I mean, there is an A-light. It should not be, like LA's here, Palm Springs is there, like there should be a lot of lights and there's nothing. And I'm looking, I'm going, wow, I'm in trouble. <laughs> like, this is bad. And so I thought, well, so I march back and then I go out that way. I'm like, oh, that's why, because the star's over there. I was off like five degrees. So I'm like, march, I mean, Every march is like 45 minutes, waist deep snow. I'm trudging out. I'm like, okay, I get out to the next ridge and I look out and it's pitch black. There's no lights. And now I'm like really discouraged. Like, wow, this is really bad. So I go back the next ridge, did this three times, took me two hours, waist deep snow. I'm totally exhausted. And at this point, I remember that I had seen a sign on the way in that said, oh, beware of mountain lions. And I'm starting to think like, oh man, this is going to be a really bad, like whoever's going to tell this story, it's going to be a bad story to tell. Our idiot pastor who went out ill-prepared, got eaten by a mountain lion and, and nobody even knew where he was. They found his like, you know, femur bone. And so I, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm marked, I'm coming back from that ridge and I fall into a, like a, a snow bank. And now I'm buried up to here in snow after like several hours of being out by myself in, on this mountain. And I literally like, I put my head down on the ice layer of snow and I, I said, God, I know I'm an idiot and I deserve to be out here and I probably deserve to get stuck here overnight, but God help. And if you could get me off this mountain, that'd be awesome. And I would love to say, thank you. I would love to say that like a helicopter flew over and dropped down a line and they're like, woo, and, or like a low moment. There was none of that. I, literally, I pulled myself out of the snowbank, but there was this moment, this crazy counterintuitive push to do the opposite of what I was doing, which was I kept going that direction. And I was like, well, maybe I should go that direction. And so I turned around, 
For, I mean, my gut told me go more that way, but I thought, well, I have nothing to lose. I'm already going to die out here. I may as well, I mean, who, so who cares if I die going that way or that way? So I, I marched that direction. And as I come up over this little, like, you know, small mountain bank, I come up over it. There it is. It's the light to the lodge where I had left like eight hours or nine hours earlier. And I saw the light and it was the, you know, Jesus, come to Jesus moment. I mean, I saw the light of the lodge and I mean, I marched straight for it. I did not, I mean, I did not waver. I just walked right toward the lodge. And when I got there, there were still people there. Uh, and I, I, I walked in like I had just gotten eaten by a, you know, just, you know, mauled by a bear. I like crawl in and I'm like, I like lay on the lodge like, <sighs> I look like an idiot. And I get my, pick myself up like, all right, you know, and I, I get back down the mountain. I called my wife when I got back and, and she said, you got lost in the mountain, didn't you? <laughs> Who would think that? Who, why? Because she knows me. And, and that's not just my experience. That's our experience. It took all the time to tell you that story to say this. Isn't that how we live? We get a promise in our heart. We get a dream. There's a, there's a summit we're going to climb. We have a destiny that God's put in front of us. There's something that we want to accomplish. And so we set out with a lot of courage and a lot of determination, probably ill-prepared, and we start marching toward it, and then life happens. And the, 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 the stuff that gets in our way is getting deeper and deeper. The obstacles get bigger and bigger, and somewhere along the line, we lose track of where we are. We get off course. We find ourselves a little bit lost and a little bit in the bleakness and blackness of life, wondering, how did I get here? How did I get myself in this mess? And sometimes we drop our head down, and go, help. Man, I need help. I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know how I got myself in this mess. Man, I thought I was going to be there, and instead I'm here, and, and this hurts, and this is hard, and I, and I don't know how I got here, but I don't want to be here, and God, help me get out of this mess. And here's what, here's what I've discovered. In our lives, you can either spend your life falling or fighting. You can spend your life lost or locked into a promise. And both are going to require a lot of energy. One expression of energy is frantic energy, like I was exerting. The other is incredibly focused energy. And so I'm just putting those two options there for you. You can be locked in or lost. You can be expending frantic energy or focused energy. You can keep falling or keep fighting. So it's our choice, right? Now, what do we do? And what I'm wondering is, is there a promise, a dream? Is there destiny inside of you that's just worth fighting for? You're like, you know what? I don't care what the cost. I'm going to fight for this. And so I want to jump you into a story. It's a historical moment. Um, most of history, you know, you can read about it in history books. This is a little different because this is sacred history. I mean, there are certain chapters in history where we just, we know that God was involved in it. We know God was involved in it because it's recorded in what's called the Bible, the Bible which captures sacred history. This is how God interacts with man. And so I want to bring you to a story. The backdrop of it is this, this guy named David, who is this warrior, farmer, king, who writes poems. And he, he lives this incredible epic life. He becomes the greatest king in all the nation of Israel. And toward the end of his life, in fact, at the very end of his life, he is recounting his stories. So you got to get the picture, right? Here's this great king, great warrior, great author, who is now looking back on his life, and he's kind of laying on his deathbed, chuckling about all of his stories. 
He's thinking about his best friends, and he's like, man, you remember that time? Man, that was pretty cool. And that's kind of what 2 Samuel chapter 22 and 23 are. There's David's last kind of moments. And so in 20, chapter 22, he's remembering God. He's like, man, my whole life, God has been faithful. My whole life, I've made it where I am because God loves me and God's been good to me. And, that, and that's that chapter. And then in chapter 23, he starts reflecting on his friends. And so here it is. We're going to just read a little bit. 2 Samuel 23, verse 8. These are the names of David's mighty men. So this is kind of the moment. He's like kind of like the resume or the background looking back on his life. Josh, Josheb Bashbeth, a Tachmanite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. That's how you get to be number one. And then next to him was Eliezer, son of Dodai, the Ahoite. As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pasdamon for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated. And there it is. We're just going to pause right there. So I, I never realized that David ever ran from a battle. So I was studying this and I went, that's odd. Here's King David, this great warrior. He's known for the guy who kills Goliath. I mean, everybody else is cowering and he's the guy that runs in. You never get a sense that David ever ran from a battle until you get to this moment where at the end of his life, he's kind of laying on his deathbed and he remembers this dude, Eliezer. And he's like, you remember that time? Me and my buddies, all of us top warrior dudes, we were out there and there were the Philistines and we were chucking rocks at him and then they chased us and we ran for our lives. Am I the only one that finds some humor in that? Like, it's a little weird. It's a strange story. And, and, but it's a story that all of us can tell. Because every one of us have had a promise that we wanted to chase, but in order to get to the promise, there was a fight in front of us. And as soon as the fight broke out, we ran for our lives. There was some battle that it was going to take to accomplish the dream. And we were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We just wanted the promise. We just wanted the dream. We just wanted the promotion. We just wanted, you know, we, we just wanted that, you know, her to be the bride. We didn't know we had to work for it. And the moment there was a, the moment the battle broke out, we turned around and ran the other way. And, and that's these guys. David and his buddies are taunting the Philistines. And as soon as the Philistines give chase, they run the other direction. And I know exactly what that feels like. When we moved to Hagerstown, Maryland to start Lifehouse Church, um, literally we had no people and no money. And we had no idea what we were doing. Perfect recipe for disaster. Um, and and uh, so I was interviewing. There were some overseer individuals who had the authority to give me a thumbs up or down. It was kind of like being in the, in the gladiator games and like the, the emperor is like, mm and I remember this, this guy, we're on a conference call and uh, he says, no you will fail. Not only will you fail, but you will run like a dog with your tail between your legs from church planting. Thanks for the encouragement. I think I'm going to keep doing this. And, it, and he, the, the good thing for me is he didn't tell me anything I didn't already know. Like I agreed with him. I was like, you're right. I'm probably going to fail. I'm terrified of this. I want to run away. And, and then we started our church because we're crazy. And, and today, you know, like right now, 
uh, in our community, we're trying to lead dozens of churches to partner and cooperate together in tackling uh, cooperatively the issue of one of our issues in our city is the opioid uh, pandemic. And we're saying no more. Uh, we're tired of uh, people ODing on heroin and ODing uh, because of this fentanyl stuff. And we're tired of the, the gangs and the drugs. And so we got 30 churches right now working together saying we're going to address the issue of joblessness and homelessness and hate and marginalization. We're going we're to adopt our schools and adopt our community and we're going to start becoming for our city. But I will tell you, the idea sounds really cool. But every time I talk about it, I'm like, I want to run away. I feel like it's the Philistines giving chase. And I'm like, uh-oh, this is going to end badly. And what is it for you? What is it that it's a really cool idea? It sounds like a great plan. It's a God-sized promise. But as soon as you took the first step, it gave chase to you. And now you're running away. Let me give you a little more of the story, though. Because that's not how it ends, and that's not why David is chuckling about this on his deathbed. He's not like, ha ha, you remember that time we ran away from the enemy? This is the rest of the story. So remember, we're talking about Eliezer, son of Dodai, cool dad. I'm not the only one that get, thinks that that's funny. Um, so here we go. So uh, then the men of Israel retreated, but he, Eliezer, stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eliezer, but only to strip the dead. And now you're like, I get why that story is in the Bible, and David is reflecting on it toward the end of his life. He's like, oh, that Eliezer. That dude, you remember that? We were chucking rocks and calling names at the Philistines. We were making fun of them. And then we started chasing us and we all ran away. You remember Eliezer? He stood his ground and you can see it, can't you? Can you, you can, you can hear his heart racing and his eyes blazing. You can see his muscles clenched tight. You can see his jaw clenched. You can feel it, right? You're like, and you can see him standing with his sword in his hand. And I don't know what he actually said, but it's gotta have been a brave heart moment. You may take my life, but you will never take my freedom. You know, it had to have been something like that. And what I imagine is like a, this, this jaw-clenched moment where he goes, it doesn't matter if I die here, but I will fight facing my fight. I, they will, if they're going to get me, they're not going to get me in the back. I'm going I'm to look my promise right in the eye and I'm going to say, let's go. If, I'm going to do whatever it takes, but we're going this direction, not that direction. So the big idea, what do I want you to write down? Uh, if you're joining us on Facebook Live, you can type this right into the comment section. But what would I encourage you to write down? Simply this, face your fight. Right. Has a good cadence to it, right? And it's really, it's easy to say. It actually kind of rolls off the tongue, face your fight. It's really hard to live. In fact, it's harder than you and I think. Let, let's push in on that a little bit. Why is it harder than we think? Because what you hear, what we hear is like, let's muster the courage to face our fight, right? And, and, you, and what, what we want right now is inspiration. So Patrick's going to inspire us to face our fight and charge ahead and shout freedom. And, you know, you may take my life, but you'll never take my freedom. Um, and, and that sounds good in theory, except that what we're, we have to look at where we're starting. You and I don't start the battle like Eliezer facing our enemy with our sword in our hand. Actually, we face an enemy that has already defeated us. This is the bad news part of this part of the message 
Um, and that is that you and I are not standing on the battlefield. We're on our face, totally broken, devastated, and ruined. Why? Because we face an, an, an enemy that we didn't even know we were fighting, that had us beat before we, the battle even began. That enemy is a spiritual enemy, and it's alive inside of every one of us. It's called sin. Sin is actually this self-sabotaging force that every one of us were born with that beat us before we started. That stinks. Hey, great to have you guys with us. Welcome to Summit Church. Um, you, you lose every time. And th- every time you try to fight, you're on the ground, dead and battered. And you're like, well, that's horrible. And, and that's the bad news, is that every one of us are driven by this force that of sp- a spiritual enemy called sin that has us totally beaten, totally devastated, spiritually dead. In fact, the end result of sin is that we spend forever suffering the eternal judgment that is the cost of a lifestyle of sin. Fortunately for you and I, that's not where the battle ended, with us dead on the battlefield. The battle doesn't end there. In fact, there's this guy, Saul, who was a religious terrorist who had a radical experience where he encountered God and he converted from hating Christians to becoming a Christian and then he used his business to fund starting churches all across Asia and Europe and he wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. He changed his name from Saul to Paul as a statement of his life transformation and he wrote a letter to the church that he started in Uh, the city of Corinth. And in that letter, he concludes it with this kind of like rally cry. And he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56 and 57. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And there it is. There's the message, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's this, that you and I were battered and beaten, bloodied and spiritually dead on the battlefield of destiny. There was no hope. We were never going to get out of this. So Jesus Christ steps down from heaven, enters into our world. He picks our fight. You could say he faced our fight, but it wasn't some awesome, you know, brave heart moment. It wasn't swords blazing. It was Jesus taking all of the arrows, him taking the sword slashes, him taking all of the spears, and he died in our place. So in essence, you could say that Jesus stepped between us and our eternal judgment. He took it all on himself so that when Jesus died, he died absorbing our eternal judgment, absorbing the full wrath of God against sin so that in his death, we uh, our death was taken. Our death sentence was placed on Jesus so that he died once for all. And he absorbed our full eternal judgment. The miracle of the story is that not only did Jesus die in our place and absorb the wrath of God for sin, but then he supernaturally, miraculously, and physically rose from the dead. And then he conquers the enemy, defeats sin, defeats death, and overcomes eternal judgment so that anyone that believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sins and given new life. How, are, how do you receive new life? Because God's spirit, which is eternal and invisible, enters into our spirit, which is eternal and invisible. And when we are reunited, God's spirit with our spirit, something supernatural happens so that when we were previously spiritually dead, now we are spiritually alive. Now and only now can we face our fight, right? On our own, we die. On our own, we lay on the battlefield going, that would have been a really cool fight. But I'm dead. 
This doesn't work. And so there's a lot of people in the world around us trying to live their destiny and constantly failing, constantly frustrated, constantly this thing isn't working because they're spiritually sabotaged and they're never going to be able to live a God-sized destiny with sin sabotaging them. And so now when you believe in Jesus by faith, God's spirit's alive in your spirit, then he gives you the power to face your fight. So now we jump back to the story and say, okay, now how do you face your fight? So I want to make this really personal and practical for you. So what, what does it look like for us to face our fight? So let's just go right back to the story. We're going to read 2 Samuel chapter uh, 23, and here it is. Uh, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered at past Damon for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated. And you might think, well, what's the principle in that? Believe it or not, there is a principle. And it is that every one of us have to find our fight. Find your fight. And you know how you find your fight? What are you tempted to run from? There it is. That's your fight. That's your God-given fight. The very battle you're most tempted to run from is probably the battle that God has put in front of you. In fact, the pathway to your promise is through the battle. You didn't realize it. You just thought you were going to get the promises of God. But what we don't realize is that the pathway to the promise is through the battlefield. And so we've got to face our fight. How do you face your fight? You simply find the fight that's found you. Let me break this down. Maybe some of you all want, you want some biblical scholarship here, okay? Past Damon, maybe you've read over your Bible a lot and you recognize that name. You might recognize it because it's a lot like the name of the battlefield where David went to bring his brothers food and there was a guy named Goliath who was taunting the Israelites many years earlier. That's right. It was called Ephes Damon. It's the exact same battlefield. It actually translates boundary of blood. You want to know why it's called boundary of blood? Because it's the boundary around the most famous battlefield in Israel of that time where everybody came to fight. And you know what happened? David's great-grandfather went and fought on that battlefield. You know who he fought? The Philistines. Then David's grandfather fought the Philistines on that battlefield. And you know what? His dad went and fought. And then his brothers went and fought. And then he showed up and he heard Goliath and he went and he got the stones and he chased down Goliath and hit him in the head with the stone and chopped off his head. It was at past Damon. And now here he is, all these years later, with his friends, fighting the exact same enemy on the exact same battlefield. And you've got to admit you're a little discouraged and a little frustrated because you thought you beat that sin already once in your life. You thought you already corrected that issue. You thought you were past that. You thought that when you got that raise, you had already beat that financial issue in your life. You thought that your marriage had gotten past that moment. You thought that you worked through that emotional hardship or that mental difficulty. And now here you are on the same battlefield and you are just like me and you're tempted to run in the other direction. Because you go, you know what, I'm tired of this. I mean, you gotta admit, David had pretty good reason to get tired of fighting the exact same enemy on the exact same battlefield, figuring that, you know what, my sons can fight this battle because they're going to face it anyway, because these guys are not going away. The, divorce has been in our, our family for all these generations, and it's going to be in my kids' family. Financial failure has been in my family, and it's going to be in my kids' future. It, it, it's, you know, uh, we've struggled with these uh, mental issues in our life, and I'm going to pass it on to my kids. And we resign ourselves to just running from the fight. And so let me be really clear. You want to know how you find your fight? You just watch what's chasing you and what you are most tempted to run away from. Let me be really clear. You don't need a new job. 
find your fight in what you're running from. You don't need a new marriage. You don't need a new spouse. You need to fight for the one you have. You don't need a new church. You don't need a new pastor. I mean, not that any of you are considering that. Um, but you don't, meaning you don't need to change the context of what's going on in your life. If something is coming at you, that is where God has called you to fight. So I don't want you to go find a new job. I want you to fight for the one you have. You don't need a new marriage. You need to fight for the one you have. You don't need a new church. You fight for the one you have, right? Your fight finds you because it will chase you down and it will try to kill you. But I assure you that the promises of God are through the battlefield. That's how you experience what God's promised you. And then the story continues, right? So I told you to, how do you find your fight? You just turn around and see what's chasing you. And then, and then here it is, right? This is the best part. I, I want to jump up and down and get excited about this one. Um, and then he, it says, but he stood his ground. Uh, stand your ground. So first you find your fight and then you stand your ground. You see the brilliant uh, exegetical work I've done here? I, I literally just am reading the Bible to you. But it is good, right? Stand your ground. It actually translates, uh, he took a stand, which has this implication of he took a principled position. Meaning he wasn't just like, oh, I'm gonna fight these guys. There was truth that drove him to not run away. It was principled. He was taking a stand. And what I think in our lives, when you find your fight, at what point do you finally start standing your ground and say, no, not today? I know for me, in our city and in our community, when I hear, when I read the news and I hear about another you know, heroin overdose or there was some protest that broke out in our city, I know the feeling that I have, which is not on my watch. Not on my watch. Nope. Today we fight for my city. Today, I'm going to fight for my neighborhood. Today, I'm going to fight for my family. Today, I'm going to fight for my kids. And at some point, we just have to take a stand. Now, realize, I, please, you understand we're talking figuratively and metaphorically here, right? Like, please don't run home, grab your sword, and go hacking at people. Like, right? Like, like this is a principled position where I say, I am going to stand for integrity. I'm going to stand for purity. I'm going to stand for righteousness. I'm going to stand for what's good. I'm going to stand for the fruit of the spirit. I'm going to stand for what God is up to, and I'm not running away. I'm going to stand for the promises of God. At some point, we have to take a stand, right? Jump back to 1 Corinthians 15, uh, where I just read about, you know, where is the sting of death? And he says, thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus. Christ. And then he goes like this, therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so there's this principle about stand your ground. He says, therefore, my, my brothers and sisters in Christ, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Don't, don't let the enemy get you running from the very fight God has called you to face. If it's worth if it's worth facing, then it's worth fighting for. And you and, you and I, we, we make a commitment to stand our ground. We're going to, not in hatred, not in anger, we're going to stand for what God is for, not against what everyone else is doing. I, I think too often, right, we get caught up in that pattern of the church being against stuff, and we got to make sure that we be cautious and say, what are we for? And so we're standing our ground for what's right, 
for what's good, for what's best. I'm standing my ground for my marriage, for my children, for generosity, for serving others. Maybe there's a mission trip uh, in the future and you gotta stand your ground for that. Say, I'm gonna work for this. I'm gonna fight for this. I'm not backing down. And, and when you start getting into this, there's, there's a really practical uh, point here, which is this. How do you do that? Start small, dream big. Maybe I'll reverse that. Dream big, start small, right? So Eliezer, he doesn't necessarily, I mean, you don't get any information from this story that he's like, I'm only going to fight if I win. He just stands his ground. Yeah. And, and you don't fight the whole army at once. I don't know how big the army was, but let's just guess. Let's just, was there 400 guys out there? You don't fight all 400 at one time. You fight one and then you fight another one. And, and you, you want to hear something really crazy? So uh, dominoes, y'all you know, play dominoes. I don't know. But maybe when you were a little kid, you stacked up the dominoes and you knock one over and they were like, what, what you might not realize is that a domino can knock down another domino one and a half times its size. That's pretty cool. Which means, you know, obviously similar density, right? So that means a two inch domino can knock down a three inch domino. Three inch domino can knock down a four and a half inch domino. I don't know math very well, so we won't go past four and a half inches. What I do know is that when you get to 18, Domino number 18, it would be the size of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Huh, thank you. That's what I said. I was like, that's crazy. There's a guy in our church, he's a math guy, so he's the one that kind of gave me a hint at that. I was like, that's, that's pretty interesting. In fact, I need to find my math here. Um, number 21, um, it would be the size of the Washington Monument. And uh, domino number 24 would be the size of the Empire State Building. I don't know, that's just, doesn't that, the point is, don't start trying to push down the leaning tower of Pisa. Besides, you might get arrested. But seriously, like you, but you look foolish, right? No, start small. Anybody can push down a two-inch domino. Don't try pushing down the number 18. And so let me give you a couple, uh, just a challenge. Maybe this is a word for you. Start now and start small. God's put a promise in your heart. There's a battle that God's called you to face. Start small, but start now. Maybe it's time for you to make that phone call and say you're sorry. Maybe you need to start writing the manuscript. Maybe you need to apply, right? Like, let's start now. Let's do something. So many people, uh, cemeteries, I think, are sad, not just because of people who passed away, but because of the dreams that died with them, because they never even dared to try. Man, let's just try. Try and fail. At least pick the fight. At least put the sword in your hand and go fight for it. And let's find out. Who knows? Create an opportunity for God to do a miracle. At least give God a chance. So many of us are running in the wrong direction because we didn't even bother picking the first fight. We didn't even bother starting. And we never got the opportunity to see what God could have done. Start small. Start now. And then, oh, my God. Favorite. I actually preached the entire sermon, showed you that video just to get to this point. Is that all right? Is that good? You guys okay with me? So here it is. Um, I, just fight on. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Fight on. Seriously. Right? Like the story says that Eliezer his hand grew tired and it froze to the sword and he kept fighting. And I want to be that guy. I want, to, I want when people see my life, they go, that dude's crazy. <laughs> like nobody's going to argue that. But man, look at him. He's exhausted and bloody and beaten. He's, he's got nothing left in the tank. The sword is frozen to his hand. But look at him, he's still fighting. 
Like, here's the deal. Of course you're going to want to quit. If it's worth fighting for, it's probably going to feel like you want to quit. If it's worth giving your life for, it might actually cost you dying for it. You're not unique. Right now, there are Christians all around the world actually dying for their faith. I have personal friends in, in, in the Balkans who regularly have attempts on their life. Pastors, that, that they're trying to kill them. And you know what? They don't, it's, they don't think they're being heroic. They're like, no, this is the cost of ministry. And I look at them, I'm like, who are you? Fight on. Fight on. When, when things aren't going as well as you thought they were going to go in your marriage, fight on. When, when, when you're working and you're giving your best and you're, you're being generous and you didn't get that raise, so what? Fight on. Keep giving. Keep serving. It's not for what you can get out of it today. You're not doing it for what you, how you can benefit. You're not, you're not trying to be like Jesus in the workplace or in the university or in your classroom because of what you can benefit. This is for the kingdom of God. And I hope that when I stand before God, I am sweaty and broken and beat and I got nothing left in the bank because I gave myself and every ounce of my resources to the kingdom of God and to his purposes. And I just challenge you, fight on. You want a really good quote? Uh, Theodore Roosevelt, he said this, it's not the critic that counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbled or how the doer of deeds could have done better. No, the credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasms and the great devotions and gives himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be among those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Fight on. You know what happens when you fight on? You know what happens when you face your fight? Second Samuel chapter 23, verse 10. It's a beautiful picture. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. David and his other mighty men, they returned, and guess where they found Eliezer? Standing at the other side of the promise, the other side of the battlefield with his sword still frozen to his hand. And God had brought a great victory. And they came back, but only to strip the dead, right? So you understand the principle in ancient war, what they would do. I mean, this isn't some perverted thing. They're like, they're taking the plunder. They're getting the benefit of Eliezer's hard-fought battle. You want to know why this church exists? Because this church exists to face a fight and pay the price and endure hardship and endure suffering so that others get to come behind you and they get to pick up the plunder of the victory. That's exactly what Jesus did, right? You and I, we didn't win the battle. We didn't do anything. Jesus fought the fight. He won the victory. And then we go into the battlefield and we get to pick up the plunder of victory over sin, the plunder of victory over death, the plunder of our freedom from eternal judgment. And we, and we return the favor to those coming behind us. We now face our fight. We pursue the promises of God so that anyone coming behind us, they get to enjoy the benefit of the victory that we faced or we fought for, right? And so you're going to face the fight and you're going to stand your ground and you're going to fight on because your children are going to get the benefit of the plunder of the victory. Because there is somebody coming behind you. Your neighbor is going to benefit from the plunder. Your coworker, your colleague, your classmates, the next church is going to get the plunder of the victory that you had to fight. And stop complaining about the fight. The fight is a privilege. 
We get the joy of God fighting and doing his work through us. So why complain about the calling God has put in front of you? You face your fight and then you let others enjoy the plunder of the benefit of the victory God has brought through your life. Okay, so how do you respond? Look, I did, not, I did not come to share this that you would all like, you know, have a, have a rally cry moment and run out of here with fists raised and grabbing your swords and go, let's do this. What I really, really the first thing is before you go anywhere, before you do anything, if right now you are not in right relationship with Jesus, recognize where you are in the battle. You're not going anywhere spiritually. And what you and I need is new life through faith in Jesus. And if that's where you're at, don't, don't get all excited about the promises of God. The first promise you receive is that forgiveness of sin, that new life through Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you to pause and pray. Right now, you can feel free. You can close your eyes. You can, you can bow your head. If you're online with us, you don't necessarily have to close your eyes, but you can just join with us right now. Um, here's what I want to encourage you to do. If that's where you're at right now, Forget the promises, forget big dreams, forget the big plans. You just focus on, am I in right relationship with God? Am I beat up and am I bloodied because of the wrongdoing in my life? And what I need more than anything is forgiveness through faith in Jesus. And if that's you right now, here's what I invite you to do. Just raise your hand real high and say, yep, that's me. That's exactly where I'm at. I mean, I have felt pretty beat up by the battle. If you're with us online, I want you to respond right now. You let somebody know. You can feel free to make a comment on, on the page. But if, you, if that's you, anybody else, you want to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I'm making that commitment to acknowledge Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Anybody else? Yep. Awesome. Hey, the good, I want to give you guys good news. You, you, those of you that are raising your hand, you're joining a family. You're being invited into a community of faith. You're, you're being born from death to life. And so for those of you that raised your hand and those of you that are with us online, I want to pray with you right now. Jesus, I want to just say thank you for fighting our fight, for facing our fight, for taking on our spiritual death and giving your life so that we could live. Thank you for, forgive, for giving us the forgiveness of sins and for giving us new life through faith in you. Thank you that your spirit right now is entering into our spirit and making us truly and eternally alive. We celebrate you, Jesus. Thank you for these individuals that have said yes and have received you and have received new life through faith in you. We celebrate this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here's what I want to do. I want all of you. There's, there's a fight that God has put in front of you. And, and something's got you on your heels. Something's got you running in the wrong direction. And tonight, you're going, yep, I found my fight. I know what it is. It's time for me to do something about that. And so what do you do? Right? You found your fight. And now you're going to stand your ground. And you're going to start small. But you're going to keep your dream big. right? And then you're just going to keep fighting. And you're going to keep fighting. And you're going to keep fighting. Some of you, it's time for you to fight for your marriage. It's time for you to fight for your, your, your holiness. It's time for you to fight against sin. Stop, stop having a little skirmish. And actually, let's go to the death for this one. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me right now. And here's what I want you to do. right? Like This is that... that that come to Jesus moment when I go, I can't do this on my own. Holy Spirit, I need you, but I also believe that you can do this in my life and you can do it through my life. And, and this prayer, when you pray, as you're worshiping, it's not about you, right? It's about the plunder that others get a benefit from. And, and so you can use this song as an opportunity to respond in prayer, a commitment. God, 
Would you, would you so resolve in my heart that this is the fight that you've called me to face, that I will not back down? And for those of you that you know what the fight is, would you, would you let God's spirit give you a conviction so that you stand your ground? Some of you, you've been going in the wrong direction. Tonight's that moment you're going to turn around and say, God, I'm standing my ground now. I'm going to do what's right. I've been going in the, in the wrong direction. I've been walking in sin, and I'm going to turn it around today. Some of you, it's time for you to make that confession. It's time for you to repent. It's time for you to, you know, propose, right? Some of you, it's time to, to, to take, take that next step. And so here's what I want to do. Let's just use this song. And, and you can feel free to respond however you need to, because each of us, that's different. Um, Pastor Mel said there's prayer teams can be available uh, people want to pray with you, if you need someone specifically to pray with you, whether it is in alignment with what I just preached, or maybe there's something else going on in your heart and you just need someone to pray with you. We, we have individuals here that they believe in the power of God and the power of prayer. And we believe that miracles can happen here. So if you need someone to pray with you, you can come and you can ask them to pray with you. But let's just use this song as our opportunity to respond to God. We say, Holy Spirit, would you come? And, and, and that's what I want to pray with you right now. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that we don't have to fight sin on our own. You gave us victory. And thank you that through that victory, there are other fights that you've called us to face and you're going to give us the power to win. So God, across this room and for every individual online, Lord, I pray that by your spirit right now as we sing, you begin to prompt our hearts to our next step so that we would, we would start right now and then we would keep fighting on in Jesus' name, amen.